I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone. Touch them all, Joe Maurer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey, everyone. Welcome to A Secret Closet in the Target Field Press Box a few minutes before Game 2 of Twins Padres for this episode of the Touch'em All podcast. Very intimate podcast today. Yeah, we're next to... A bu- I think we've done podcasts in these these in this particular closet before where we're next to like a bunch of old memorabilia that used to hang on the walls mm-hmm. inside the press box. Uh, like old photos of Joe Maurer and Jim Tomey and oh, you know what? We did, press covers. We did a video in here once because I remember there was this giant Brian Dozier cutout of oh, his, just his head and it's actually taller than I am. And now, sure enough, it's lying on the shelves over here. And there it is. And credit to Brian Dozier for putting his money where his mouth is or putting his bat where his mouth is because I believe the day after the trade deadline, he was the most vocal of all of the Twins players mad at the front office. Mm -hmm. And my retort to that on the radio was, well, yeah, you're right. Like It would have been nice for you guys if the Twins front office would have bought instead of sold, but... You know, you were also like 103rd in the league in slugging, and that's what you do. You slug. Sure. But, but he's been one of their best hitters. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, so credit to him, and hello to the Giants, Brian Dozier, cardboard cutout staring at us. But, Are you intimidated? A, a little bit, right? There's it's like it's a, a little small. creepy. Yeah, <laughs> He's not blinking. Um, I brought this up, and I don't think this is a hot take, because I think it's a combination of twins playing really well and baseball being baseball. But... I'd like to get a ruling from you as to whether or not this is a hot take. Okay. The Twins haven't clinched anything yet, but the Twins are in the driver's seat. The Twins, if they just play above 500 baseball against a weak schedule from this point forward, the Twins are going to make at least the coin flip wildcard game. Therefore, the Twins can win the World Series in 2017. (laughs) Okay. The Twins can win the World Series in 2017. Yeah, well, obviously. I'm the non-zero chance guy, and you're going to ask me I if that's a hot take. That is a take. Uh, yeah, it's a little hot. It's uh, not likely that they're going to win oh. the World Series. What would you put, at, just for fun, because I think in percentages, I can see where this must have started. You got in a in a fight, a bickering match with your co-host who doesn't think in percentages. He said yes or no. Well, it's he binary. said there's no chance you would. I think it started with... Because the Indians have won 21 games right. in a row now. You have to get through them, There's no, There's no chance that you would beat the Indians in a five- or a seven-game series. And I said, the Indians would be favored in a five- or seven-game series, maybe yeah. even heavily favored by baseball standards. But to say that in baseball, there's no chance of, of one professional team beating another professional team in a week right. more times than losing hmm. uh, is, is incorrect. Okay. And so, I mean... Look no further, and again, I'm not saying it's likely, but look no further than the 1987 Twins, which I believe had 85 regular season wins. I was just, and just talking got, about this team with somebody downstairs. Yeah, yeah where they were just astronomically hot at home, and they got hot in October, and they won the World Series. Mm-hmm. And they beat better teams in seven-game series than They beat than the them. Tigers on the way there, and I think the Tigers won not 100 games, but like high 90s wins They were clearly the best year? team yeah. in, in the American League. Look no further than the 2006 St. Louis Cardinals, which actually, I believe, were an 83-win regular season team. Mm. And they just had a top-heavy rotation. Adam Wainwright came in at the end of the year as a reliever, and they had a couple really good hitters. They leaned on Albert Pujols, Scott Rowland, and Jim Edmonds. Okay. And the rest of their lineup was a bunch of David Ecksteins and Aaron Miles, and, <laughs> yeah. and they won the World Series. All right. So what I'm saying is we've gone from 103 losses here with this team and now that they're in the driver's seat for a playoff spot, 
Therefore, if my logic class in college was correct, my freshman year at the University of Minnesota, therefore, the Twins can win the World Series. Ergo. Uh, Well, let me ask you, though. Percentage chance. What do you like? Are you at 5%? Well, we actually asked Jason Stark this on our to name drop on okay. our radio show today, and he said it's probably like 1 in 100 if you go off of some of the hmm. – if from right now, it's probably like 1 in 100. I think it's 5%. But then he said – but the, 5%, so you're telling me there's a chance. I'm, I'm saying I'm team <laughs> optimism reigns, maybe a little bit more than Jason Stark, I guess. Okay. I just, look, okay. Well, 50-50 that they make it to the wild card game right now. Yeah, they're in the driver's seat. Yeah, they have an easy schedule. Still got to play the Indians, who are never going to lose again. You still have to play the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. The so, Indians, I think, would have a 31-game winning streak if they carried it into the Twin Series in 10 days from okay, now. Okay, all right, very good. And then if they carry it further the rest of the season and the Twins win their one-game wild card and play the Indians, it would be up to like 46 games. And at that point, it's getting you're tempting fate. Yeah, that's a lot of wins in a row. Probably, that's like two months. <laughs> probably do for a loss at that point right isn't that what the gambler's <laughs> fallacy tells us i just think that there's a maybe 50 50 chance that the twins um make the postseason i think it's a little bit better than that uh especially given what i've seen from kyle gibson lately that i kind of trust him now i'm sort of done counting on bartolo cologne whatever he gives you is he gives you but i think that the twins do have three starting pitchers that you're kind of like yeah okay all right we got a chance tonight Edoberto Mejia, we'll see what happens when they add him back into the mix, but I don't know how much you count on from him either. It's just 50-50 to get there, then say it's 50-50 in that game, even though it might be Sonny Gray versus Irvin Santana is the way it's looking right now. Well, okay, maybe you're not at quite a 50-50, but follow me down this road. 50% chance they make it, and then let's just say 50-50 they make that, so that, that they beat the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. All right. 25% chance now they're moving on to the American League Division Series. And let's say you got to face the Indians. That's what the math is looking like right now. And what's a, like, what's a preposterous pre-series odds? Like in baseball, you're towing this line between like 45% your underdog, 55% your favored. But I would I think say it's like way more. I would say like set for for a, an Indians twin series, sure. when Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco are by far the two best starting pitchers in the series. And the Indians have at least the two best relief pitchers and the better lineup, even though the Twins have a good lineup. Mm-hmm. I would say 70-30, maybe okay. even like 75-25. So okay. it's a 25% chance. Then you're down talking 7-8% chance that you get through to the American League Championship Series. Divide that in half to get to the World Series. It starts Right, but looking... you're not accounting for the 32% chance that it's happening. <laughs> So you have to factor that into. I forgot. Okay, carry the one. So yeah. there's a 32% chance that it's a 100% chance that they right. win the World Series. Yeah, I forgot. To, you're right. That skews the math. I totally did not count for that. <laughs> I think that what we talked about at the beginning of the season is that you can get better, you can improve, and we even talked about 500 as being a maybe distant possibility. Now, they'll probably beat that now, but that was sort of the optimistic view of things, and there was always this yeah but, which was – Boy, don't love the pitching staff. You can mess around with 500, maybe. This young lineup kind of steps into its own, which it really has, even without Miguel Sano. You don't exactly trust all these guys. You don't expect Irvin Santana to repeat what was one of his best years of his career. You don't expect Barreos to wash out his 7-8 ERA and say, okay, yeah, he's a number 2 starter in this league. You don't expect Kyle Gibson to come out and give you... 10 starts in a row of like a sub-2 ERA or sub-3 ERA, whatever he's at. I think that that's the part that's been 
as surprising or more surprising than anything else is that now you kind of do have two or three starters that you feel fine going to bat with. Yeah, and I I, I still look at all of their starters, sure. and oh, yeah. and I'm never like totally sure, especially once you get into these short series. Yep. But well, I'm, and- I'm done writing this team off, and I'm done questioning it, mm-hmm. and I know that this lineup, if dialed into a pitcher that's vulnerable, even a good pitcher that's just vulnerable for one night, sure. is going to feast. Well, that they're not... You're, they're, there's it. not too many lulls in this lineup right now to yeah. where you can just you can just take a batter off. And you get Miguel Sano back, so it is happening. What are you hearing about that as you roam the Twins clubhouse? Yeah, so the latest is I talked to Sano today, and he was brief. He doesn't like talking about the injury, which you can understand, but he said he's chill. Everything's good. It's just a process. He took batting practice but didn't run today, and this is, what, Wednesday? You lose track of days of the week at Target Field during a homestand. Uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so no took batting practice, and he did activity yesterday with doing some jogging and stuff like that. The kinds of things that start to give you some optimism that he can come back. I think I've said on this podcast before that I'm skeptical that he returns this year. I'm no longer skeptical. I think he gets plate appearances this year. Now, is he going to be a pinch hitter, or is he going to be a DH? Is he going to be a third baseman? Is he going to be able to run the bases if you need him to? These are all still very open questions, but based on what I've kind of gathered around is that it's slow-going process. So no, not yet, you know, arms in the air frustrated with it. He's still grinding to try to get back. But if I was handicapping the race, I would say you're probably hoping that he gets back as a designated hitter. And the kind of guy who, if he walks in the eighth inning and you need that run, you probably go get somebody on the bench. It sucks to take the bat out of the lineup, Here's the other thing, Phil. I was, I was going to ask Mulder this today, but the, the conversation sort of shifted off of Sanok pretty quickly. Is If he comes back, let's say he's medically cleared and the leg is fine, he's good to go. How confident are you that he can just fit right back into the middle of a lineup versus, boy, he already had some swing and miss to his game before, even when he's at the height of his powers. Now he's been off for however many weeks. That makes me a little bit nervous if I'm the Twins that – boy, this sort of all-or-nothing slugger is now going to have to learn on the fly how to hit Major League Pitching again. Let me answer that question about Sano in just a second because I think it warrants expanding on it. And I think we should go down the path of getting out over our skis here and projecting a little too far ahead because I know you've already looked at the rotation as it sets up for the playoffs, even though they haven't clinched anything. You bet I have. So let's do those two things. But first, a word for one of our best podcast network sponsors, Luther Brookdale Toyota which has been a part of my family going back to the 1980s when my late mother drove a 1987 baby blue Celica where the headlights flipped up like eyelids. And that was the first car I remember getting serviced at. At the time, it was Toyota City, and then they uh, they got the brand-new stadium, if you will. They went from the Metrodome to Target Field about five years ago. So now that they're in the brand-new ballpark, they have the facilities to match some of the smartest people in the industry – some of the most durable and best vehicles you're going to find in the world in Toyotas. It's just an experience unlike any other in the Twin Cities when we're talking about service departments and car dealerships. So stop in and see why my family and I have been vouching for Luther Brookdale Toyota for 30-plus years. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Here's what you may have missed on a recent episode of Football Headquarters with Sean Zobel. One of the bigger reasons that we haven't talked about whether or not the GM or the head coach gets fired is the quarterback position, Sam Bradford. His contract is probably one of the biggest stories that nobody's talking about in that he's due after this season's up. 
But the Vikings won't commit to him because they don't know, A, if he's capable of being the franchise quarterback, or B, what's going to happen to Teddy Bridgewater. So, Mr. Scoopman, what's the latest that you're hearing on an extension for Bradford or what the update or status is of contract talks? I'll say this. My sense is that Bradford's side certainly has tried to engage the Vikings front office in some extension talks. My sense is the Vikings will take a wait-and-see approach. Yep, as they should. There's no rush now. The Matt Stafford contract just raises that franchise number higher and higher. But the Vikings do have the ability, if Sam Bradford has an unbelievable year, takes them to the NFC Championship game, who knows, maybe further. It's not like they will outright lose Sam Bradford. You can find the Football Headquarters podcast on iTunes, Podcast One, or 1500ESPN.com's podcast page. Okay, first, your, your Miguel Sano question. I almost forgot that Miguel Sano was a huge part of this lineup. Yeah. Watching this team mash 17 runs two weeks ago against the <laughs> Royals and 16 runs last night against the San Diego Padres. So even if they don't get Miguel Sano back in his April, May, June form, mm-hmm. I still trust this lineup against good starting pitching to score enough runs. Mm-hmm. I still like, I don't, I don't worry about this. If Byron Buxton is clicking, and if Jorge Polanco is still the same player he's been for a few weeks, and Eduardo Escobar, when he's hot, he's gonna, he has, I think, 18 home runs now this season. Mm-hmm. So um, would it be a much better lineup if you had Miguel Sano at his peak? Yes, absolutely. But I don't think, I don't think your chances derail as much as maybe you would have thought a month ago with Miguel Sano out sure. in the wildcard coin flip game or even in a five-game series in, sure. the, in the ALDS. Yeah, I mean, I still do look at the pitching matchups and think, like, eh, that's scary. Even with one of the better lineups in the American League, yeah, Corey Kluber's a good pitcher. Sonny Gray, man, you know, it, it becomes this, like, I think back to Royce, um back from the— uh, the famous days of the Roycey and Mackey show when he was mentioning was it Mike Messina was going up against the Twins in a playoff series. And it was like, you know, Messina out duels Johan Yankees up one Oh on twins or something. like. I'm making that up, but let's just say that's the headline the day after. And he takes exception with that because like me, he's very literal sometimes when he wants to be. And when he wants to be ornery about something, he can do it with the best of them. And he was, very upset at the characterization that it, one starting pitcher was better than the other. It's, no, he got to face the Twins lineup. Yes. This guy had to go face future Hall of Famers in Yankee Stadium. It's a different kind of matchup. So I, I, I always think back to that with lineup questions. Yeah, they've been great so far. Don't get me wrong. I mean, since the All-Star break, they're one of the best offenses in baseball without exaggeration. And yet... You're going to go up against some pretty good pitchers once things get dialed up in October. Yeah, and so to that point, yeah. if we get way ahead of ourselves here and look at potential playoff well, matchups you and started this and... podcast asking about the World Series, so I'm just yes. trying to dial it back from that just a little and bit. And I know it's a crazy reality, but yes, the answer is yes, the Twins can win the World Series. Sure. Uh, they're not likely to, but they can win the World Series this year. So you heard it here on this podcast <laughs> That's first. Right, yeah. That's right, We that told really, you they can win the World Series. That half-in, half-out prediction that you're going to take credit for on November 1st is just... I can see it unfolding right now. It's going to be this improbable march, and you're going to resist the urge every step of the way to remind people that you called a World Series. But then, November 1st, there's going to be this prediction that, like, I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to materialize. Like, you invented a piece of audio or something like that, that in spring training, you and I were talking, and you mentioned World Series, and you're going to take credit for that. We'll we'll save this, and we'll timestamp it in March to make it more impressive. But 
if the Twins are to finish off the regular season run to the playoffs, and if they are to win the coin flip game against the Yankees, and they get to a series against either the Astros or or the Cleveland Indians, sure, it's not you're not going to line up your best starters. In fact, if you start Irvin Santana in Game One or in the in the coin flip game, yeah. and now you're at Barrios and let's say Bartolo or Barrios and Gibson. Mm-hmm against Kluber and Carrasco because they're going to be set up. That's right. Or for the Astros, Dallas Keuchel has been mostly good since coming, since sort of figuring it out. And then Justin Verlander. You're not going to go in with the pitching advantage. You're not going to go in with the bullpen advantage. No chance. So you have to go in and either get lucky in those regards or go in with the lineup advantage, Mm -hmm. and that's where Miguel Sano would help put you over the top. You could justify Miguel Sano at his peak with all the other players who are hot, justify that Twins lineup stacking up against... Astros and Indians. Yeah, I'd still take the Astros and Indians lineups one through nine, but okay. you could, but you could, you could argue that if Miguel Sano is in the lineup. Yeah, I was going to say I might fight you on that. I might take the Twins lineup right now if some of the guys that you mentioned stay at this level. I think that's a big question mark. Eduardo Escobar, how much are you going to expect from him? I think he's an extra player. Jorge Polanco, this has been an incredible turnaround, but. How long does it stick around? Byron Buxton, there's always going to be the question mark until he gets to like. 500 at-bats of being a superstar that you're like, okay, all right, he's the guy. Bat him third for the rest of his life and sign him to a long-term contract yesterday. Until that happens, it's kind of like always this just sort of floating dread. Maybe I've spent too much time with Judd recently, but that there's this like, all right, he's doing it, and can he keep it going? But I looked this up. This is maybe a week ago, so this could be outdated information. We'll just change the timestamp on this podcast after the fact. There was a time where, for the, like eight weeks out of the All-Star break, the Twins were the second-best lineup in baseball behind the Orioles in terms of runs scored since the break and weighted on base average. Now, are you talent for talent better than the Indians, better than the Astros? Again, that's a question. That's an open debate. But there was a long stretch of time where they were, and they weren't just relying on Sano being the masher. Um, Joe Mauer's a guy that doesn't get enough credit. Brian Dozier's been great, to your point, at the start of the podcast. Yeah, if all of those guys are clicking, it's you could argue that they have the best offense going into the postseason. But two things. One, that's a big if. And two, it takes more than a good offense to win a playoff series. Right. So, okay. So to keep going down this path of if and if they clinch, I saw you mapping out Irvin Santana's starts leading into the potential mm-hmm. coin flip game and, mm-hmm. and then wondering, you know, would, would the Twins prepare him for a potential Game 1 of a DS series to give themselves two Urban starts in that series, or would they save him well, and manipulate it for him to pitch in the coin flip? I think if there's any question, you pitch him. If he's your best pitcher, and I think he is, or at least your most reliable guy in that situation, sure. you pitch him in the coin flip game, and then yeah. you worry about getting to the next level with whoever you have on deck. I agree with that. It They do have the choice. They could... I, from what I've been told, I think they have it mapped out basically to the Cleveland series at the end of this month, and that's not too surprising. They do that a lot. Paul Molitor in the middle of the season has been known to have it 10 games out, 12 games out, knowing that this might change with injuries or whatever, but if the current situation holds, here are my guys for the next two weeks. It gives you a framework, things to decide, hey, now I can manipulate this and uh, and sort of be smarter about it rather than sort of having to materialize a rotation. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That you're manipulating what you have. So what they have now is through the Cleveland series, we'll see what happens with the rest of these wildcard teams. They're in the driver's seat. Yeah, you start lining it up for Irvin to face the Yankees or whomever on the wildcard play-in game. You need that. 
here's another little curveball before I go to the next step, which is what if there's a game 163? The same principle to me applies in a game 163 that would apply to the wild card, which is you have like kind of at best a 50% chance to win this game. You'd better put out your best lineup with your best starting pitcher Ask him to go seven and turn it over to Hildenberger, question mark. Do you want to redo the math from earlier in the podcast? Okay, 50% <laughs> yeah, game 163, 50% wild card. 25% chance that it's happening. <laughs> the, the long division is not my strong suit. But I, I think you've got to map it out to whichever is a must-win game for you. And I don't think that there are really must-win games the rest of the way for the Twins until they're like facing elimination. And you are facing elimination, whether it's a game 163 or a wild card game. I don't think that you can get too cute and say, okay, well, let's go Barreos in that first game because we think that he can give us a good right. outing. He's been good, and that way we've got Irv for two. No, that way you might lose that game and wish you hadn't gone with him. See, I think the closest thing, and I think they're doing the National Anthem right now, so I'm going to try to be like not shouting through the walls at people, but uh, I'm going to deliver this take Sorry, in, guys. A, in a soft-spoken voice. Um, I think the closest thing to must-win games for the Twins is – the seven-game collection against the Tigers. Mm-hmm. That's a team that's absolutely just laying down right now. Didn't for they just take two out of three from the Royals? Like, but they well, but the, uh, still, like that lineup is just. I mean, right. laying down in a, in a in a sense that like you can beat that team. You can still win games lying down. Uh, you should win, and you're, most people are going to listen to this after this game tonight. But you should beat the Padres. Like, yep. go beat the Padres tonight. Yep. Go feast on the Tigers, the Padres, and take like two out of four from the Blue Jays, mm-hmm. and then just see what happens in the Yankees uh, and Indian series. And I think that gets you to 84, 85, 86 wins. And if you get to that amount of wins, it's going to take a red-hot stretch from yeah. the Angels or from a team that's even further back to, uh, to pounce on you. Should we wrap with the stat of the week, yeah. the stat of the podcast? Stat of the week, what do we got? Have you, have you already heard the Jason Stark trivia question no. on the Mackey and Judge I show missed today? it this morning. Okay, so it's a two-part question. Brian Dozier hit his 30th home run last night. Okay. He has now hit 30 home runs or more in two straight seasons. He's the second active second baseman to have back-to-back 30 home run seasons. Hmm. Can you name the other active second baseman to go back-to-back 30 home run seasons? That's part one of the question. Okay. I w- my, my gut instinct was to say Ian Kinsler. Ian Kinsler's a good guess. Robbie Cano. Robbie Cano is a great guess. And neither of them are right. Chase Utley oh. is the correct answer. <laughs> okay. I'm th- thank you for not giving me a third guess. Sure. All right. Um, so here I'll give you three guesses at, at this next one. There's only one player in the 2000s to hit 30 home runs, second baseman, 30 home runs in at least three consecutive seasons. Can you name that second baseman? Um, is it? So since, since 2000. Alfonso Soriano? Good guesses I, here. I felt good about good that guess, one. Right. No, it's not Alfonso. I never would have got Chase Utley. Uh, is it Chase Utley? It is not. He's active. So we're talking. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah, okay, we're talking a player who's no longer active. Okay, right retired mm-hmm. Two second more baseman who hit 30 bombs three years in a row mm-hmm. from 2000 to 2010. And he actually did it more than three times in a row. Did but, he play the for the Astros? I don't believe so. Okay. He didn't do it with the Astros. Mm, 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 mm. Well, I don't know, but so can you give me a league just so I can National narrow league. it down? He did it with a National League team. Dan Ugla? Yes. Yes. Correct. <laughs> All right. And I feel, I feel, I feel both I super confident and cocky and also horrible because the first name I threw out on the air was 
I want to say Dan Ugla, but uh, and then I, and then we talked into you like some off. other answer. Yeah. Jeff Kent, I think, was <laughs> our answer. Okay, for like, good. oh man, Dan Ugla, that's a money guess. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Dan Ugla with the super tight baseball uniform and his stone hands at second base, but he mashed. <laughs> Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator skin. Man, I love Operator skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. This- Soldier. Get a hold of yourself. Oh, Roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. College duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.